ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد Tonight then, we begin with a new short series of lessons. And these lessons, they are going to focus on the names and the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because we know that Allah has many different names. Many different names. And Allah has many attributes. So, by learning those different names of Allah, and those different attributes of Allah, it gives the servant a better understanding of who Allah is. A better understanding of who your Lord is. And the greatest knowledge, the greatest knowledge that a person can seek is the knowledge of the names and attributes. And that is because they say the nobility of this knowledge is so great due to where it is connected to. The names and attributes of Allah, that is a knowledge that is connected directly to Allah. Knowing about Allah, learning the names of Allah, the attributes of Allah. And there can be no knowledge greater than that. So they mention that this is the greatest knowledge that a person understands the names and attributes of Allah. He understands who his Lord is. And we know, as we've mentioned before, in the trial of the grave, fitnatul qabr, when the angels, they come, and they sit the person up in his grave, and they ask him those things, Three questions. The first of them is, Man Rabbuka? Who is your Lord? And then also, Ma Dinuka? What is your religion? And Man Nabiyuka? Who is your Prophet? So the first question a person is asked, after he dies in that trial which occurs, is the question, who is your Lord? Who is your Lord? Do you know who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is? Do you know about the names of your Creator? Do you know about the descriptions Allah has informed us of the attributes about himself. So that is why this knowledge is a great form of knowledge. And the scholars have mentioned 
that when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, مَن يُرِدِ اللَّهُ بِهِ خَيْرًا يُفَقِّهُ فِي الدِّينِ That whomsoever Allah wants goodness for, then Allah gives him knowledge of the religion, that the first type of knowledge that comes into that hadith is the knowledge of the names and attributes of Allah. If Allah wants goodness for a servant, then Allah gives him knowledge of the religion. The top of that knowledge, right at the head of all of that knowledge, is the knowledge of the names and attributes of Allah. And that's why they have mentioned, it is أَشْرَفْ مَا صُرِفَتْ فِيهِ الْأَنْفَاسِ It is the most noble thing that you can spend your breath upon. We use our breathing, every breath we take, and we are doing different things. The best thing you can utilize your breathing upon, meaning your life upon, is seeking knowledge of the names and attributes of Allah. This knowledge is like the foundation. And that's clear for all of us to understand why. Why would the knowledge of the names of Allah, the attributes of Allah, why would that be the foundation of all of our knowledge? Because this whole religion, it is worship and obedience to Allah. Allah created us to worship Him and to be obedient to Him and to fulfill the commandments that He gave us. That is the purpose and objective of our existence. So the basis and the foundation of all of our knowledge about the religion begins at knowledge of who our Lord is, who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. That's why when you talk about the six pillars of Iman, the six pillars of Iman, what is number one from the six pillars of Iman? Anyone? Iman in Allah. Number one from the six pillars of Iman is Iman, belief and faith and understanding in Allah. Then after that are the other five, belief in the angels, belief in the revelations, the books, belief in the prophets and messengers, belief in the day of judgment, and belief in the decree. But all of those other five, belief in the angels, and the books, and the prophets, and the day of judgment, and the decree, all of them are built upon, number one, the belief in Allah. All of the others are built upon the first. The scholars have mentioned belief in Allah is like the head. And then all of the other five, they return back to that. The basis of your belief in the angels is your belief in Allah. Allah created the angels. 
the basis of your belief in the revelations, the Torah and the Injil and the Qur'an, and all of the revelations that came, the basis of your belief in all of them is belief in Allah. Allah sent all of those revelations. The basis of your belief in the prophets and messengers is belief in Allah. Allah sent and chose those prophets and messengers and sent them with the revelations. Your basis of belief in the day of judgment is belief in Allah. Allah is the one who will hold the people accountable on that day. And your basis in belief in the decree is belief in Allah. Allah is the one who knows everything, past, present and future, and even those things that never happen in the past, present or future, Allah still knows about them. All-encompassing knowledge of the decree returns back to belief in Allah. So all of the pillars of Iman, they return back to the basis and the foundation, which is belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you think about the five pillars of Islam, the five Pillars of Islam. The kids tell us what are the five pillars of Islam. The first one is the Shahada, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. The first pillar of Islam. The pillars of Islam are the foundations of Islam. That Islam is built upon these main things. The first and biggest main thing that all of Islam is built upon is Tawheed. La ilaha illallah. That there is no one, no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah. And that Muhammad is the messenger and the servant of Allah. Then the second pillar of Islam is The salah, the prayer. Make a note of these if you don't know. The first pillar of Islam is the shahada. La ilaha illallah. Then the second pillar is the prayer five times a day. And then the other pillars are, the third one you can say, Psalm, fasting, fasting in the month of Ramadan. And then the fourth one you could say, zakat, the obligatory charity you have to give every year for the one who it's due upon. And fifthly, Hajj. But those five pillars of Islam, all of them once again are built upon the first one which is the Shahada La ilaha illallah, that there is none deserving of worship in truth except Allah. And that's why the scholars have said, if you don't understand and believe and have aqeedah in the shahada, in la ilaha illallah, 
then even if you pray five times a day, even if you give zakat, even if you fast, even if you do hajj, you are not considered a Muslim. Because all of those pillars are based upon the tawheed of Allah. So the pillars of iman and the pillars of Islam, everything comes back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, belief in Allah, belief and understanding of the shahada, which is to single out Allah with all forms of worship. So you can see, iman, Islam, the pillars of everything of the religion, it goes back to belief in Allah, our Creator, our Lord, the Creator of the seven heavens and the seven earths, and everything within them, everything returns back to that. And that's why the scholars have said, the knowledge of the names and attributes of Allah, is the basis of all of the knowledge of your religion. Ibn al-Qayyim he mentioned, Ibn al-Qayyim one of the great scholars of the past, a few centuries ago, he said, مَنْ أَرَادَ عُلُوَّ بُنْيَانِهِ فَعَلَيْهِ بِتَوْثِيقِ أَسَاسِهِ Whoever, meaning whichever believer, wants to build his building tall and high, meaning whoever from the believers wants to make his Islam big and strong, you want to be upon iman, and you want to be upon implementation and practicing all of the commandments of the religion. You want to make your iman big and strong. He gave the example of a building. Whoever wants to build their building big and tall, فَعَلَيْهِ بِتَوْثِيقِ أَسَاسِهِ Then that person, what does he need to do? If you want to build a really big building, what do you need to do on the ground first? Make strong foundations. When they build any building, they dig down into the ground first, and they put the concrete and the metal and all of the foundations to make the building on top stick. Otherwise, if you start building straight on top of the ground, the wind and the storms and other things, they'll blow it down. So Ibn al-Qayyim said, if you want to build tall and big, you need to make sure the foundation is strong. And what he means by that is, if you want to understand the pillars of Iman and the pillars of Islam, and you want to build your religion properly, then you need to make sure you have started with the strong foundations from the bottom. And those strong foundations are knowledge of your Creator. A believer who does not know who Allah is, doesn't know about the different names Allah has, doesn't know about the different attributes that Allah has, he doesn't have knowledge of who his Lord is, then that person has a big gap. He has a big gap. You are praying five times a day, 
but you don't really know who your Lord is that you're praying to. You're doing all these other acts of worship, you're doing fasting in Ramadan, but you don't really understand who your Creator is, who Allah is. You're giving your zakat every year, maybe somebody rich, mashallah, giving thousands and thousands for his 2.5%, but he doesn't really have an understanding of who his Lord is. Doing hajj, all of that time and effort, physically and with wealth, going to do it all, but you don't have an understanding of who your Lord is in reality, with the different names and attributes of Allah, then certainly that is going to be a deficiency. And it's like we've mentioned before, when Allah said in the Qur'an, إِنَّمَا يَخْشَ اللَّهَ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ الْعُلَمَاءُ That the ones who truly fear Allah from His servants, are the people of knowledge. Meaning the people who have knowledge of the names and attributes of Allah. They have knowledge of who their Lord is. And once you have knowledge of that, that's what will create the greater iman in you, and the greater fear in you. That's what will create that strength, and hoping, and fear, and the balance with your worship. Once you know who your Lord is, so Ibn al-Qayyim said, whoever wants to build a tall building, then he needs to make sure the foundations are strong. فَإِنَّ عُلُوَّ الْبُنْيَانِ عَلَىٰ قَدْرِ تَوْثِيقِ الْأَسَاسِ وَحْكَامِهِ Because the size of your building, meaning the size of your iman and your religion, it is going to be dependent on how good your foundations are. You want to build a building only dependent on how good you built your foundations. You'll be able to build it two floors, maybe three floors, maybe four floors, depending on how good your foundation was. And maybe a, a kilometer or a mile into the sky. As you've seen some of them build, the towers going a mile into the sky now. How? Needs good foundations if you want to build something like that. So Ibn al-Qayyim said, your building, meaning your religion, your iman, you as a believer, your strength is all going to depend on what you've done with your foundations. What you've understood about your Lord, about the names of Allah and the meanings of them. So all of your actions that you do, they are the building getting higher and higher, but all of that is dependent upon the foundation which is your iman. And your iman must be strengthened with knowledge of who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. And on top of that he mentions that إِذَا تَهَدَّمَ شَيْءٌ مِنَ الْبُنْيَانِ سَهُلَ تَدَارُكُهُ وَإِذَا كَانَ الْأَسَاسُ غَيْرُ وَثِيقُ لَمْ يَرْتَفِعْ الْبُنْيَانِ وَلَمْ يَثْبُتْ 
وإذا تهدم شيء من الأساس سقط البنيان أو كاد That if you have a strong foundation to the building strong foundation upon your iman then if some problem happens up there in the building it's easy to fix if the foundation is solid you have a problem on the 6th floor no problem you can go up there fix the 6th floor if the foundations are good but if the foundations are the problem in the first place and then you start having problems on the 6th floor 7th floor 20th floor Now it's not that easy to just go and fix that floor because the whole building is shaking. So he says, if your foundation is wrong, then if you come across some problem or some issue or some weakness, then later on those can be fixed a lot easier if your foundations in iman are strong. But if your foundations in iman are not strong, Then all of a sudden when things start happening to you certain things start happening to you in your worldly affairs in your religious affairs then that causes a trembling and a shaking everywhere because your foundations are not solid Falaarif himmatuhu tasheehul asas so the knowledgeable one the one who is smart He's going to make sure that he makes his foundation strong. والجاهل يرفع في البناء عن غير أساس. But as for the ignorant one who doesn't pay attention, he's going to try to build without strengthening the foundations in the first place. Then we can also say. لا ريب أن العلم بأسماء الله وصفاته أشرف العلوم شرعية That no doubt the knowledge of the names and attributes of Allah It is the most noble of all of the sciences And all of the prophets and messengers were sent with this knowledge أرسلوا بالدعوة إلى الله عز وجل وَبَيَانْ الطَّرِيقَ الْمُوصِلْ إِلَيْهِ The prophets and messengers were sent with this knowledge to teach the people who their Lord is and that the people must single out their Lord for worship to teach them who Allah is and to command them to single out Allah with worship. At-Tariqul Musil, as he mentions from the statements of Ibn al-Qayyim when he said, At-Tariqul Musil ila Allahi wahid. The path that takes you to Allah is one. One path that will take you to Allah. It is not multiple paths, do whatever you want. Rather the Qur'an and the Sunnah is one pathway, one guidance that the Messenger left us upon. As you say, اِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطِ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ Guide us to the straight path, the one straight path to the pleasure of Allah. The one straight path that will insha'Allah lead you by the mercy of Allah into paradise. 
one straight path in the famous hadith when the Prophet ﷺ one time was with his companions in the sand. The companion says, خَطَّ لَنَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ خَطًّا مُسْتَقِيمًا That the Prophet ﷺ drew a straight line in the sand. وَقَالْ هَذَا سَبِيلُ اللَّهِ And he said to the people, This is the path of Allah. ثُمَّ خَطَّ عَنْ يَمِينِهِ خُطُوطًا وَعَنْ شِمَالِهِ خُطُوطًا Then he drew some lines to the right hand side and some lines to the left hand side and said, عَلَى كُلِّ سَبِيلٍ مِنْهَا شَيْطَانٌ يَدْعُوا إِلِهِ That all of these are the pathways there is a shaitan at the end of them calling you to it. Because the straight path is there, then these others this way and that way, they are the pathways of the shayateen, calling you and dragging you away from the straight path. So the prophets and messengers, they were sent to call the people to that straight path. Ibn al-Qayyim mentioned that you can think of the da'wah of all of the prophets and messengers as three types. There were three main things that the prophets and messengers came to teach all of the people. إِنَّ دَعْوَةَ الرُّسُولِ تَدُورُ عَلَى ثَلَاثَةِ أُمُورِ the da'wah, the call, the message of all of the prophets and messengers revolves around, it is focused on three points. Firstly, تَعْرِيفُ الرَّبِّ الْمَدْعُوْ إِلَيْهِ بِأَسْمَائِهِ وَصِفَاتِهِ وَفْعَالِهِ Firstly, the first focus point that all of the messengers and prophets had in their da'wah was to educate the people regarding who Allah is by explaining the names and the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to them and the actions of Allah to them this was a focal point, a main point of the da'wah of the prophets and messengers, educating their people regarding who their Lord is via the names and the attributes of Allah. This is all an introduction. We will inshallah in future lessons actually look at the names of Allah the different names of Allah and what they all mean, the real meaning behind those names, and the impact of those names, those details will all come, but we need to have this background first. So the prophets and messengers, one of the main things in da'wah, was for them to educate the people, regarding who their Lord is, via the names and attributes of Allah. The second, 
معرفة الطريقة الموصلة إليه to educate them about the pathway that will lead them to Allah. الصراط المستقيم to educate their people what الصراط المستقيم is to educate their people what the straight path is that will take them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the third thing that you find in the da'wah, in the message of all of the prophets and messengers to their people, was ta'rifuhum ma lahum ba'da al-wusul ilayhi fi dar karamatih من النعيم الذي أفضله أجله رضاه عنهم وتجليه لهم ورؤيتهم وجهه وجهه الأعلى وسلامه عليهم وتكليمه إياهم The third point is to highlight to them the reward in the afterlife for those who know who their Lord is and tread upon the path to Him. And the reward in the afterlife for them, of course, is paradise and all of the bounties and blessings in paradise. And the greatest of all of those blessings in paradise for the believers will be that Allah will allow the believers to see Him. We cannot see Allah here in this world, but in the afterlife, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless the believers that they will be able to see Him, the greatest of the blessings in paradise. So those are three key components, three key parts to the message that all of the prophets and messengers came with to their people to educate their people about Allah and the names and the attributes of Allah and to educate the people regarding as-sirat al-mustaqim, the straight path to the paradise, to the pleasure of Allah and to educate and inform the people of the great rewards for the ones who have knowledge of their Lord and tread upon that path, which is the great reward of paradise and the greatest of that, seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Of course, this also means that they informed their people of the opposite too, that the one who rejects this, and rejects the worship and the obedience of his Lord, rejects that straight path, then for them there is something else prepared. And that is the punishment of the hellfire. And this is what you find in the Qur'an. In the Qur'an, there are lots of different topics. You find certain parts of the Qur'an are telling you about the stories of the prophets. The stories of Ibrahim alayhi salam, the story of Musa alayhi salam, Isa alayhi salam, the stories of the prophets are in the Qur'an. 
in other ayat, fiqh is mentioned. About divorce and about marriage and about purification. There are certain fiqh type of issues mentioned within the Qur'an. Paradise and hell. The blessings for the righteous and the punishment for the evil. In parts of the Qur'an that is mentioned. But what is the one thing that is mentioned in the Qur'an more than any of the others, and overlaps into the others? It is about al-asma'u wa-sifat. About Allah and His names and His attributes. That is the greatest component of the Qur'an. The greatest part of the Qur'an, everywhere in the Qur'an, it is about Allah and telling you about who Allah is, and the different names of Allah, and the different attributes of Allah. Some of the scholars have even said, there is not a single ayah in the Qur'an, not a single ayah in the Qur'an, except that there is an element, some part that is linked to the names and attributes of Allah. Every single ayah in the Qur'an they have mentioned, Ibn Qayyim and others, that there is not an ayah in the Qur'an, except that there will be some meaning of the names and attributes in it. Even the ayat that are talking about divorce, and they are talking about the uh, fiqh issues of the women, those kinds of things are mentioned in the Qur'an in some ayat, but at the end of the ayat, often it finishes with one of the names of Allah. At the end, and Allah is the one of the names of Allah. After ayat which are talking about marriage and other things, hence the scholar said there is not an ayah, except that it mentions something about the names and attributes of Allah. And this is a knowledge which we have been informed of in detail by the Prophet ﷺ. And how could it possibly be that we have not? It has to be that the Messenger has definitely given us detailed knowledge about the names and attributes of Allah. Why? Because there are so many other types of knowledge we have been told about even how to use the toilet. In the hadith, it tells you how you're supposed to use the toilet. The etiquettes of relieving yourself. There are hadith about how to dress. There are hadith explaining the dress and what a man is allowed to wear, what he's not allowed to wear, which colors he's not allowed to wear, which types of clothes and the lengths of the clothes, details about garments. There are hadith about food, the etiquette and the manners of eating, and what you say and what you do and how you eat and which side you eat. There are hadith about the etiquettes of eating. So if we have hadith 
about all of those types of topics, about even how to eat, even how to dress, even how to use the toilet, then without a shadow of a doubt, the messenger has informed us about the knowledge greater than all of that, which is the knowledge of Allah. It cannot be that the messenger would not inform us about Allah and the names and attributes of Allah, but we have been informed about how to eat and drink. Surely if we've been given this knowledge, then as a priority we have been given knowledge of the names and attributes of Allah. And because of that then, you should start to now realize, you should start to realize the importance and the virtue of this knowledge, the importance and the virtue of this knowledge. And it is important to know, أَنَّ مَعْرِفَةَ اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ Knowing Allah is two different ways. Knowing Allah is two different ways. Firstly, مَعْرِفَةُ الْمَعْرِفَةُ إِقْرَارُ وَهِيَّ الَّتِي اشْتَرَكَ فِيهَا النَّاسِ Firstly, to recognize and to acknowledge Allah. And everybody can be a participant in that. You could be a Muslim who is a sinner, a terrible sinner, but he believes in Allah, acknowledges and believes in Allah. One type of your knowledge of Allah is to, of course, believe in Allah, acknowledge and believe and have that certainty in Allah. And even the sinners can do that. Could be a terrible sinner, fornicator, thief, and yet he testifies to his belief in Allah. So that is one general level of knowing Allah. That everybody testifies and acknowledges Allah. Everybody in this room now, everybody in this room now will of course testify to their belief in Allah. Everybody, everybody, all the Muslims in Bradford, the Muslims in the world, every Muslim will testify to their belief in Allah. That's one level of your knowledge and understanding of Allah. But the second type, the second type of your belief in Allah, or your knowledge of Allah, is ma'rifah tujibu al-haya' minhu, wal-mahabbah lahu, wa ta'alluq al-qalbi bihi, wal-shawqi ila liqa'ihi, وَخَشْيَتِهِ وَالْإِنَابَةِ إِلَيْهِ وَالْأُنْسِ بِهِ وَالْفَرَارِ مِنَ الْخَلْقِ إِلَيْهِ The second type of your knowledge and your recognition of your Lord is a type whereby it brings about within you some humility before your Lord. 
your recognition and your belief in Allah creates humility within you, submission within you, and your heart is connected to Allah and wanting to meet Allah, and you have your fear of Allah, and you wish and you have your dependence and trust in Allah, and you flee to Him, you do not flee to the people for safety. That is a much higher level than the first type. Everybody can be in the first type, belief in Allah, acknowledgement of that. But not everybody gets into the second type properly. That you have a belief in Allah to the level that it brings about humility within you. And it brings about submission within you. And so you obey the commandments of Allah. And you stay away from the prohibitions of Allah. That is of course a higher level of recognition. How can you get to this higher level of Iman and recognition of your Lord? Through this knowledge, the more you understand about the different names of Allah and what each one of them means. And we're going to get to those in the future lessons that Allah is the all-seeing the all-hearing, the all-knowledgeable, the all-forgiving, when you start looking at all of those names and the meanings of each one, and what that means for you as a servant from your Lord, that your Lord is the all-seeing, how does that impact upon you and what does it mean for you now? That you know Allah is the all-seeing of everything and you cannot hide anything from Him? How does it impact you when you know that Allah is the all-knowledgeable, knows everything, there's nothing you can conceal, and that Allah is the all-hearing. No matter what language it might be, you raise your hands and you make dua, and Allah answers the dua of that person. When you have knowledge and understanding of these types of things, you have knowledge and understanding of Allah being the all-forgiving. Then no matter what sin and wrong you have fallen into, you still have hope in the mercy of Allah. As opposed to somebody who doesn't know these things, and he is told you've done such wrong, you've no chance of getting forgiveness now. So he loses hope and doesn't make dua and doesn't repent because of his lack of knowledge that Allah is the all-forgiving. And even the sin of shirk, if you repent from it before dying, is forgiven. Let alone the others, if you repent before dying, a mushrik repents and becomes Muslim and dies upon Islam, then his shirk from before forgiven. Forgiven. So these types of affairs... They are only going to register for a person when you start looking at the different names of Allah. One of the other things, today all of it is like an introduction as like our foundation 
to then look at the names of Allah. One of the other things that is important to mention is the common topic that many people will have heard of, and that is how many names does Allah have? Many people have heard of this and they've seen the posters of how many names Allah has. So how many names does Allah have? On the posters, how many are there? 99. And this is something which is common amongst the people. It is common amongst the people that Allah has 99 names. However, in our introduction today to lay down the foundations, we should make note of the fact that it is not a fact that Allah has 99 names. Allah, His names cannot be restricted to 99 only. Allah has more than 99 names. And it is a mistake that some people have fallen into uh, by accident because maybe they saw some hadith and there are there is a hadith that mentions and lists out 99 names of Allah. But that narration is weak. But maybe some people did not know that the narration is weak. And so when they saw the hadith and it lists out 99 names, maybe because of that they thought there must be 99 names for Allah. But the hadith is not authentic. It is not a sahih hadith that Allah has that list of 99 names. There are other hadith that are sahih, like in Al-Bukhari, where it says, إِنَّ لِلَّهِ تِسْعَةً وَتِسْعِينَ اسْمَا مَنْ أَحْصَاهَا دَخَلَ الْجَنَّةِ There is an authentic hadith that says, indeed Allah has... 99 names. Whoever ahsaha. Sometimes they might translate it as whoever counts them, but that's not the meaning. The real meaning of ahsaha is whoever understands them, their meanings, memorizes them, and acts upon them. Acts upon them. He knows that Allah is the all-knowledgeable and the all-hearing and the all-seeing. So he acts upon that by not committing sins. Because he knows if he commits a sin, Allah is the all-knowledgeable and hearing and seeing. So you act upon the names of Allah. Of course, everybody falls into sin, but you repent and you seek forgiveness if that occurs. But that's just an example. That when you understand the names of Allah... You understand their meanings, you memorize them, then you act upon them. And you try to better yourself knowing that Allah has these names and these meanings. So the hadith says Allah has 99 names in Bukhari. Whoever learns them, understands them, memorizes them, and acts upon them will enter paradise. Maybe this is the hadith that some people have misunderstood and they thought that it means therefore that Allah has only 
99 names. The hadith does not mean that Allah only has 99 names. The hadith says Allah has 99 names that if you learn them and memorize them and act upon them, you'll enter paradise. That does not indicate restriction. The scholars give an example. They say, if I now walk into the masjid, and I say to the admin of the mosque, I've got 99 pounds in my pocket, which is for charity in this mosque. I have 99 pounds I need to give. You go to the admin and you say to them, I have 99 pounds in my pocket, which I have prepared for charity to give to this mosque. So we know that my intention and the amount that I want to give is 99 pounds. But me as an individual, how much do I have in my bank balance altogether? Just 99? Have I taken everything out? That 99 is all I have and I'm giving all of it? Did I say that to him? Did I in any way indicate that? I could have another million in the account. MashaAllah. Could be another million in the account. But I'm just saying to him, right now I've got 99 in my pocket that I have prepared to give you for charity in the mosque. It's like that. The scholars they have said, Allah is telling you that as long as you as long as you memorize and learn and act upon 99 names, you will enter paradise. But how many more does Allah have though? Who knows? The hadith is just telling you, for you to get that promise of entering paradise, you need to learn and practice and memorize and implement 99. But how many more altogether does Allah have? Who knows? You cannot say Allah only has those 99 then. That would be like saying to me, okay, I'll take your 99 for charity. You're homeless now, you have nothing left. How do you know? Maybe I've got a million in the account. Allah's told you to learn and practice 99. But how many more does Allah have? Who knows? And there are actually evidences to prove that Allah has more than 99. One of them is the narration on the day of judgment. When the Prophet ﷺ is making the intercession... making the intercession, and he mentions in that narration, فَيُفْتَحُ عَلَيَّ بِمَحَامِدْ لَمْ أَكُنْ أَعْرِفْهَا مِنْ قَبْلِ That on that day, certain types of praise will be inspired to me that I did not know before. The scholars have said the meaning of that is, that he will become aware of more of the names of Allah that he was not aware of before. Another narration, when you are in times of distress, the dua that you read, in that dua, one section of it mentions, that I ask you, أَسْأَلُكَ بِكُلِّ اسْمٍ هُوَ لَكَ 
I ask you by every name that you have, you named yourself, you inspired upon the books. But then one section says, وَبِمَا اسْتَأْثَرْتَ بِهِ فِي عِلْمِ الْغَيْبِ عِنْدَكَ And by that which you have kept in the knowledge of the unseen to yourself. So there are names that Allah has kept in the knowledge of the unseen that we do not yet know. How many has Allah kept in the knowledge of the unseen that we do not yet know? We do not yet know. And that's why it's impossible to put a, to put a figure. It's impossible to put a figure on the number of names of Allah. Some of the scholars in the past, they actually examined the Qur'an and the Sunnah, the Hadith, all of them. And some of the scholars actually found more than 99 already. Some of the scholars found more than 99 already. So that is one key point to remember. Allah, His names are not restricted to only 99. There are more names than that. And the evidences, they indicate that. So that gives us a brief overview so far regarding the names of Allah. What we will do next time, inshaAllah ta'ala, is actually start looking at specific examples. Specific examples of some of the names of Allah and the meanings of those names and the details about those names. But that is where we'll have to conclude on today. We'll have to conclude upon that today and we'll resume with those specific names from next time inshallah ta'ala which will be in two weeks. This particular topic is every two weeks and every other Friday is the other topic with Abu Iyad. So the alternation occurs in that way. Revise this, you have two weeks to revise and then we'll resume with that one next time inshallah. We have a couple of minutes, any questions so far? Alright, we'll leave it upon that for today. We'll resume in two weeks, inshallah ta'ala.